What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, this man happens to be the man of the hour right now. You see him all over yeah. the news, everywhere. We have Christopher Sakosha, a.k.a. Chris Skies, in the building today. What's going on, my brother? How are you, man? It's an ex excellent day. It's gorgeous outside. We can't ask for any more than this. Definitely, I understand that. All right, as I said, I see you all over the news. A lot of stuff. I've even seen you on CP24 a couple of days ago, you and Stephanie Snipe. But before we get into all of that, let's take it back from the beginning here, all right? Sure, bro. Okay. When it comes to your background, because I know right now, when did you go from Christopher Sokosha to Christopher Skies? What was the change there? Well, people have been calling me Chris Sky for a really long time because my... Uh... My my business before all this started was called well is called Sky Homes Corporation. So we do low rise residential develop design and build uh, for homes of all different sizes. So people have been calling me Chris Sky for a long time. So that name was just my online name. And then uh, when all this stuff started happening, I just went with it because I wanted to keep my family out of it because I knew I was going to get a bunch of backlash from the media and everybody else. Mm -hmm. All right. And when, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> listen, this is social media where you could find out anything. It doesn't matter what it is. You could find it out. Exactly. You understand. All right. Okay. So then you guys are into property development and stuff like that. That's your daytime job. Yes. Okay. So then now let's jump into this now. When it came to the pandemic, when was the first time you started to hear about it? Well, we travel a lot. So in 2020, during this whole COVID crisis, Mm -hmm. I've already been to like all over Asia. I've been to Hong Kong, Philippines, Thailand. We've been to Colombia, Netherlands three times, Ireland twice, uh, Belgium, France, Italy. So we've been traveling a lot. And uh, we were in Italy right at the start of this pandemic, right at the uh, right at the beginning of March. And we started seeing on the news how everyone's talking about this pandemic and how Italy's going to get locked down and how everybody's sick and dying. Meanwhile, my wife is at the freaking Gucci store and I was training in the gym in Italy. I was like, what are they talking about? Nothing's going on over here. So we already knew from the start that the media was overblowing and exaggerating the virus. Then when we got back to Toronto, when they announced the lockdown on March 16th, we weren't really surprised that they did it. But uh, but we knew it was already like not for the right reasons. But even back then, someone like me who's critical of the government couldn't really say anything because we didn't have any data. Everyone was scared. We didn't know anything about the virus. So everyone just said, okay, we'll lock down for two weeks. Okay. Only problem was I knew it wasn't going to be two weeks. I know the government. I deal with the government on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So when the government tells you something, they tell you what they need to tell you to get what they want from you. And then you feel their true colors after you've already given in. So what, what was it about the government in the first place that you don't trust? Well, I don't trust government in general. Government always, if you don't, if you trust the government, you're going to get burned. The government tells you always what's to do to do what's best for them, not to do what's best for yourself. Yeah. If you want to do what's best for yourself, that's up to you to make that own decision. If you do what everybody else tells you to do all the time, you're not ever going to be doing what's best for yourself. You're going to be doing what's best for everybody else. Okay. And there's no, there's no, a two week shutdown would have been fine. A six month shutdown mm -hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. So right when it all started, I thought about was our small businesses. I said, they're the number one uh, job creator in our country. 97% of all businesses in, in Canada are small business. They represent 70% of all our jobs. So right when all this happened, the first thing I did was I saw a, a flyer for a Queens Park protest. I've never been to a protest in my life, okay. but my wife and I went down. We saw a couple hundred people there. 
Uh, there's media everywhere. I did an interview for CBC or one of those stupid government medias. Everybody heard me talk and said, you sound like you know what you're talking about. You should start speaking. Yeah. I said, hell no, I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want all the backlash, etc." My wife said, you know what you're talking about. You're a good leader. You're articulate. If you don't go and tell everybody what's going on, everything that happens is going to be your fault. Yeah. So she basically thrust me right into the front of this. I started speaking at the protests, and I realized that we need to help the small businesses. So I made a uh, nonprofit group called Back to Work, and we came up with a scheme of linking businesses together. I taught them how to like renegotiate their lease. I taught them how to work within the guidelines so they won't get fined or any of that stuff. Okay. We even put together a legal team for them and a legal fund that will help them if they get in trouble. Yeah. And in the first, the first round of lockdowns, we helped dozens of businesses. So it was great. Uh, but we still lost over 250,000 businesses in that first thing and millions of jobs. So the economic consequences aren't even being felt yet. They're going to be. We're going to have some big repercussions and the government's not going to be able to hide them. Okay, so then let me ask you, let me ask you this. With the first things first, let's establish this. Do you believe that there is a virus? There's definitely a virus. There's all kinds of viruses all over the world. We never okay. we never shut down entire economies for them. It's absolutely ridiculous. A, okay. a virus like tuberculosis, for instance, kills 1.5 million people every year. It's known to be airborne, and we don't wear masks for that. We don't shut down economies for that, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea is the consequence of the lockdown that's imposed by the government are far worse than the consequences of the virus itself. The virus itself killed a few thousand people. 97% of the people killed in Canada by the virus were 65 years of age and older, and they had underlying conditions. These are people that were sick and going to die anyway. So it, 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 to say that we need to remove the rights, freedoms, ability to work, ability to get uh, people's livelihood for tens of millions of Canadians to potentially save a few thousand old people that were already going to be sick and dying is absolutely ludicrous. Okay, so then this is the, the next question here. Where did this virus come from in the first place? Or at least where have, do you think it came from in the first place? To be honestly, that's completely speculation. I don't like to speculate. If I knew something for sure, I say. If it's an opinion, I don't even want to give it because who the hell knows where it came from? Did it come from a bat? Did it come from a lab? Did it come from China? Who knows? The point is, it's here. Okay. That's all that matters. The point okay. is, it's here and we have to deal with it. And we have to deal with it in a way that doesn't destroy our economy, doesn't destroy our way of life. Freedom, people need to understand, freedom is essential. If you don't have a free, if you don't have a free society, you don't have a happy society, you don't have a successful society. And this idea that we have to give up our freedoms because of this virus to keep us safe is the most dangerous part of this whole pandemic. People think wearing a mask is not a big deal. Oh, it's just a mask. If it was just a mask, number one, they wouldn't be telling you to wear a mask when they know it doesn't work. Number two, they wouldn't be trying to find you or do all this other stuff to coerce you into wearing it. Number three, it doesn't stop at the mask. The mask is to get you to comply with the notion that you have to give up your freedoms for safety. Once they get that in your head, they will tell you contact tracing is now mandatory. So now every single place you go to, it's going to be a, a place where the government can decide that someone was there, was sick, and now you have to stay quarantined for two weeks. So you have to miss work. You have to miss a vacation. You have to miss any uh, anything that you had planned. So you're giving up your freedom of mobility and you're giving up your privacy rights. Why? Because the government asked you to? That's ridiculous. And then the next step will be mandatory vaccines. And at that point, okay. we're all screwed. Okay. So then let me ask you this. Then. So we established the virus is real. 
but we don't know where it came from. So then was this an opportunity that the government took to enforce all of this right here? They just seen this come up, say, hey, let's come up with this. Or was this a plan that was in play from a long time ago? Of course, this the virus is just the excuse to implement control. If it wasn't about control, we wouldn't be they wouldn't be all these phony emergency measures emergency measures that they're doing are supposed to be temporary they're supposed to expire after 30 days and every 30 days they have to give what's called demonstrable justification for extending the emergency mm -hmm. april all you kept hearing was flatten the curve flatten the curve that means make sure that our hospitals are not overwhelmed with people because that's how people will get sick and that's how we'll have mass death makes sense okay problem is we have about 400 hospitals in Ontario alone. We have maybe 30 COVID patients in those entire hospitals. That's less than one patient for every 10 hospitals. The idea that we still need to be in an emergency situation when our hospitals are empty and people are not dying left, right, and center is absolutely ridiculous. And it's just the government using the old adage, never let a good crisis go to waste. What that means is when there's a crisis, they will exploit that crisis to impose controls and give themselves new powers that otherwise they wouldn't be able to do because people wouldn't put up with it. But when people are scared, when people are confused, they will do whatever the government tells them. And that's why the government wants to keep these people in a perpetual state of fear. This is all fear tactics. If you weren't afraid, nobody would be putting up with this. So that's why they're using fear and lies from the government, the media, their so-called experts, because as long as you keep people scared and confused, they can't think straight and they will do what you say. Now, what do they do for the people like me and everybody else who isn't afraid? Okay. They use division. They try to divide us so our voices are smaller and smaller. First, they got the people that are scared of the virus versus the people who aren't scared of the virus. Then you got the people wearing the mask versus people who won't wear the mask. Then you got the essentials versus the non-essentials. Then they try to divide us by race and religion and status and lastly they try to get us against the police this whole yeah. idea that you need to defund the police is yeah. absolutely ridiculous people need to okay. understand but hold on though this so then what you're saying is all of this is being pushed through the media then is that that's what you're saying by the government using the media as their tool okay if they can't so scare is, you okay. if they can't scare you with the lies mm -hmm. they use the media to try to get you upset at somebody so you'll be upset and you won't be working together the only way this stops is when people realize it is us versus the government it matter your age your ethnicity your gender your sexual orientation whether you're rich whether you're poor whether you're government whether you're law enforcement whether you're a civilian whether you're a criminal all of us have rights and freedoms. All of those rights and freedoms matter to everybody. And the only way this stops is when I get everybody together and we all come together and say, no, we all come together and say, you know what? I don't want to wear this mask anymore. That's what I'm calling united non-compliance, where we okay. unite the entire country together. And in one voice, we say no more masks, no more pandemic and everything goes back to normal. Okay, then. So then this is the question. Then where is, what is their end game then? Since you don't believe what they're saying, what is the end game? What do they want? It's not about believing. It's about looking and seeing what the reality is. The reality is the government wants control. The government always wants more control. So how do they get more control? Number one, they scared you into giving up your rights and freedoms. Now they have more control. Number two, they're closing all your businesses and putting you out of work. What does that mean? 
if you had a job, if you own a business, you're employed, you're independent, you're employing other independent Canadians, you are the middle class. You can say no to what the government tells you. The moment the government puts you out of work, the moment you are dependent on the government and you're waiting for that CERB check, the government no longer serves you, the government rules you. And if okay. the government can do that to enough millions of people, they have changed the power structure in this country so the government is no longer the servant, the government is the master. And once the government is your master, they will keep it like that perpetually. And these things you're seeing, these so-called temporary restrictions, the mass, the contact tracing, the restrictions on travel, the restrictions on work, etc., those will become their so-called new normal. See, okay. the, 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 the people that want to comply with everything keep trying to say, oh, just comply, do what they tell you, and this will all be over. It's the complete opposite. You cannot prevent the new normal. You cannot prevent your rights being taken by giving your rights up. You never get your rights back by giving them. Freedom is never given. It's always taken. And we had our freedom. We had people, millions of people that fought and died for the freedoms and rights that we're literally giving away on a silver platter without a fight just because people are scared and ignorant. It's so this is, really, this is really a fight for freedom, power, and control. This is what we're seeing on this is what we're seeing unfold in front of us right now. That's what you're saying? Hundred percent. It's a battle of good versus evil. And evil uses lies. And all we need to do to get rid of that is tell the truth. People, they lie. They, they have to lie to you over and over and over again. A person knows when they're being lied to. So in order to make that person believe the lie, they have to tell it as many times as possible from as many places as possible. Mm -hmm. Then when somebody like me comes around and tells the truth, they only need to hear it once. It hits them right in the heart. It resonates. They know it's true. And once you hear the truth, all the lies in the world don't work anymore. In fact, they lie we want to get mad. That's my other nonprofit. Mad. Mothers Say that one more time. Distancing. Say that one more time. I didn't hear you. Say that one more time. The nonprofit is called what? My other nonprofit. My other nonprofit is called Mad. M A D. Mothers Against Distancing. The idea here is we made. Well, we wanted to come up with an a grassroots yet international awareness campaign to educate mothers and fathers about the psychological and physiological trauma that wearing a mask and social distancing will have on their children, especially in an academic setting, especially over a prolonged period. There's no way a child can learn in a constant state of fear and anxiety. And in these new schools, when they're wearing a mask, when they're forced to social distance, when they can't interact with their friends, they're being kept in a state of fear, a state of anxiety, and the only thing they're learning is how to remain scared and how to follow orders. They're not learning any type of thing from school. And if you travel around the world like I have, other countries like the Netherlands are not putting masks on their kids. They're not putting masks on their people. And when you tell them that we're putting masks on school children for eight hours a day, they say that's, not, that's North Korea. They say that's child abuse. And you know what? They're right. Meanwhile, for people in Canada that don't do anything but watch TV and don't do any of their own research, if you try to tell anybody here, hey, maybe it's not the best idea to put a mask on a four-year-old child for eight hours a day, they'll call you every name under the sun, conspiracy theorist, anti-science, et cetera, et cetera. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all lies. 
they don't want people to know the truth because as soon as you know the truth, you can no longer be controlled. So Mothers okay. Against Distancing is an international awareness campaign. We have all different types of events we're throwing. The most important event of the year that we're going to be throwing, first of all, we have a huge event October 17th at Dundas Square. We have over 200 trucks coming in a motorcade. We're going to be blocking off the majority of downtown. We're going to have thousands of people showing up to protest against these lockdown measures, to, to stand up for our businesses, to stand up for our rights, to stand up for all of Canadians. So we expect thousands of people to show up there. But the big event that we're going to be doing this year is December 5th, the Santa Claus Parade. They tried to take that away from us. Why? Because it's a symbol of hope, a symbol of love, a symbol of togetherness, and a symbol of inspiration. And they want everybody to be scared. They want everybody to be in despair, depressed, locked down, not doing anything. So we're giving the Santa Claus Parade back to the people. On December 5th, we're throwing our own Santa Claus Parade. It's going to be thrown by Mad Mothers Against Distancing in conjunction with The Line and Hugs Over Mass, the three big anti-lockdown groups in Canada. And we're going to be making the best Santa Claus Parade the city has ever seen. They're already trying to demonize it, call it an anti-mask event. It is not an anti-mask event. We are not anti-mask. We are okay. anti-mandatory mask. That's what I was going to ask you. What are you. That's what I was going to ask you. What are you anti? What are you against? And what are you for? All right. Right now, I'll explain it all. They call us anti-mask because it's a nice label like conspiracy theorists and it makes you sound crazy and bad and militant. Reality check. I'm not anti-mask. If you work in healthcare, if you work with elderly people, I advocate for you to wear personal protection equipment, a.k.a. an N95 medical respirator or better. Those are specialized filters that filter out virus-sized particles and actually protect you from viral transmission. A surgical mask is not designed to protect you from viral transmission, not even close. It's designed for, to protect from bacteria transmission, and bacteria are literally hundreds of times the size of a virus. So a surgical mask provides no protection. So no, we're not anti-mask, we're anti-mandatory. If you want to wear a mask, go right ahead. If you want to come to our Santa Claus parade, first of all, it's outside, so you don't need a mask if you don't want to. Second of all, there's plenty of social distancing. Third, if you want to wear a mask, go right ahead. We're not anti-mask. We're pro-freedom. We just yeah. don't want you to tell us we have to wear a mask. What yeah. are we anti? We're anti-government overreach, anti-government corruption, anti-government non-transparency, anti-government taking our freedoms and rights. That's what we're anti. We're anti-lockdown. The consequences of lockdown are far worse than the virus. The virus killed a few thousand people. What did lockdown do? It put tens of millions out of work. It has people getting suicides at exponential rates. Overdoses are up. Uh, divorces are up. Spousal abuse is up. Depression is up. We have people missing cancer surgeries and heart surgeries and they're dying. We have people in old age homes that can't visit their family for months and their health is dwindling. So the consequences imposed by the government, let's get that again, the government imposed consequences, not the consequences of the virus, are far worse for society. Yeah. So when that happens, we have to realize that this is not about a virus. This is about control. And as soon as we alter people's perceptions just enough, right now everybody's perception is, oh, the virus is so scary, the virus is so deadly, and our government loves us and wants to look after us. No, that's wrong. Alter the perception just slightly enough so you know that this is about control. The government wants to control you. The government wants to subjugate you. And as soon as you get that through people's head, everything starts making sense. 
Okay, so then the question is, where do you research? Where could people find information where if you, the only thing you watch is the news, where could you find other information to either back what the news is saying or to discredit what, what the news is saying? Where do you find this information? If you want to find out what's going on around the world, just go to different countries' websites. The government website of every country will give you all the things they're doing for COVID. For instance, if you look at the Netherlands, if you're flying to the Netherlands from Toronto, from Canada, you don't need a COVID test. You don't need to quarantine while you're there. They don't have mandatory masks anywhere, etc. Most European countries only have a 10-day quarantine while we have a 14-day quarantine. Some countries ask you to get tested when you go. And you have to look at every other country. Everybody over in Canada thinks we're the center of the universe. They think our 35 million people is everything. And they think whatever we're doing here is happening all around the world. No, that's what the government wants you to think. There's plenty other nations that aren't wearing masks. There's many other nations that never locked down. There's many other nations that never closed their business. And they don't have mass death and destruction. And neither do we. It's that simple. Okay, talking about that now. Since you're talking about restrictions and stuff, I know lately you actually were charged. You received oh, the fine, and then they came to your house and charged you and your wife, Jenny. All right? Let's get into that. Describe exactly what happened. What were you charged for, and what was the ticket for in the first place? I was charged multiple I was charged, I was charged multiple times, so we'll go through it all. Obviously, I'm the number one activist in the country, so they're trying to make an example out of me. I got, uh, I got invited to go speak in Ireland on September 12th, and I did, to 15,000 people. And then we, we held a march there, and I got back on September 20th. September 26th, I had a protest in Toronto. I went there on purpose, even though I knew I was on quarantine, even though I knew they were going to catch me, to challenge the quarantine because it's a bogus order. It, don't, it, will not, it will not stand up in court. It's illegal. And everything they're doing, all these laws are really illegal. And then we'll stand up. So I showed up on the 26th to prove it. They actually came to my house on the 25th just to warn me not to show up at the protest. They said if I showed up at the protest, they were going to arrest me. I told them, go for it. I hope you arrest me because I'm going to fight it in court and show everybody that your laws are bullshit. So I went there. They grabbed me before I could even start speaking and started threatening me. I said, are you going to arrest me? Are you going to find me? They said, no. So I did my protest. I did my speech. I started mingling with the crowd. And then they came over and they gave me a, a ticket, an $880 fine for breaching quarantine. When I looked at the ticket, I noticed they intentionally misspelled my first and last name. Reason being, now I can't take it to court and now I can't prove that they're wrong. However, for the media, it looked like they gave me a nice big ticket so everybody would get scared. I actually took the ticket, went up and did a speech and called them out and told them, you guys put the wrong name on this ticket. Why don't you come and correct it and put the right name so I could challenge it in court? They declined. Mm -hmm. The very next week, it was October 3rd. I was still on quarantine. I had another protest. It was day 13 of my quarantine, a few hours before the quarantine would end. I went there. I did my speech. I actually did a photo op with two political leaders, Maxine Bernier, the leader of the PPC, and Rob Carbone, the leader of the Republican Party of Canada, both showed up to our protest to say hi. And the police knew I'm supposed to be on quarantine. They know that they, they keep trying to tell everybody that I was sick, that I was a danger. Meanwhile, they let me shake hands with these two political leaders, let me uh, take pictures with them, embrace them, etc. Why didn't they ask those political leaders to be quarantined or tested? answer they know i wasn't sick they know i wasn't a quarantine risk but in any case the very next day two police officers showed up at my house again and this time they gave me a summons to court for my wife and i so we were officially being charged under the quarantine act and we were being charged in a way that they were looking for jail time and a large fine 
Of course, it's all optics to scare the people. There's no way it's going to go through. I have virtual court on November 12th. I'm going to be representing myself. I don't even need a lawyer at this point. <laughs> and uh, that was that. Then it, they took it up another notch. After that didn't work to silence me. I was scheduled to be in Moncton, New Brunswick and Halifax, sept uh, Saturday the 10th and Sunday the 11th. So I flew over to Moncton, New Brunswick on October 9th. As soon as I landed at the airport, they didn't even let the plane get to the jetway. The RCMP showed up and kidnapped me off the plane, brought me straight to jail. I wasn't really charged with anything. I was literally just being held. And they plan on holding me all weekend because of the Thanksgiving holiday to make sure that I wouldn't be able to talk anywhere. Okay. Thankfully, I have friends in high places. Somebody made a phone call. Not only were they forced to let me out of jail, they were forced to give me a police escort back to the airport. And Air Canada, who I'm officially suing at the moment and who has officially banned me from flying, actually was forced to allow me on the plane to come back to Toronto. So this is the kind of protection we have in our movement now. We've, we've attracted the kind of people that can make things happen. We've attracted the kind of people with the resources to accomplish anything. Why? Because they know we're on the right side of history. They know I'm the sword and shield of this movement, and I'll let them use me any which way they want. I hear you. All right. Question for you. Have you ever taken a COVID test, and would you take one if you haven't taken one before? I have not, and I will never take a COVID test as long as I live, and nobody should take a COVID test for multiple reasons, and I will explain why. Okay. Number one reason. If you're sick, what is the COVID test going to do for you? Tell you you're sick, and then what? You stay home. So if you're sick, just stay the fuck home. Sorry. I'm sorry for swearing, but I had no choice. <laughs> Couldn't take it. Now, if you go to get a COVID test, what happens? Number one, they already admitted up to 70% of these tests are false positives. Okay. So you're going there, and they're telling you you're sick with COVID, when in reality, you're more than likely not even sick with COVID. Number two. Your medical records are completely private. However, due to the so-called emergency situation, as soon as you're dumb enough to go and take a COVID test, your medical records now become public for the duration of the emergency. So now any doctor, any police officer can access your medical records like they're, no, like they're no longer private. And as we saw, they've already extended the emergency for at least another year or two. So the idea that your, your records are public is a big deal, and it will stay like that. Number three, once you've taken the test, you're in the system for good. Now they can bother you any which time they want, and there is absolutely no benefit to taking the test. If you're sick, they're just going to tell you to stay home. So why do you need to take a test to tell you to stay home? The only reason all this is happening is because people are dumb enough to keep going to get tested. Now they got people worried about how many so-called cases we have. Cases is completely irrelevant. If we got 35 million people in Canada and every single one of us got the common cold, they could say, oh my God, there's over 30 million cases of a cold. How many people are going to hospital? If 99.999% of the people aren't in the hospital or not dying, they're not, they're not a drain on the public health system. They're not a drain on our resources. And there's absolutely no emergency. It's that simple. If there's nobody dying and there's nobody in hospitals, there's no emergency. You're passionate. I could see you're very passionate about whatever it is that you're speaking about. Well, bro, this is about our life and death here. Mm -hmm. But why are cases rising? Mm -hmm. If they tested 10,000 people last week and got 300 cases, mm -hmm. if they test 20,000 people this week, you don't think they're going to show more cases? Whether the people are actually sick or not? Of course they are. So every week, they just test more people and then tell you there's more cases to scare you. So they can lock you down. And what do they tell you every week? Oh, we're not going to lock you down. 
I promise we're not going to lock you down. Two it's days later, As two I days said. later, they tell you, we're not going to lock you down unless we really have to, but we don't want to. Then two mm. days later, sorry, we had no choice. I've heard you've been speaking about um second lockdown since June, as a matter of fact. I watched some of your interviews. Yeah, so, even earlier. So do you think this is a, a case of the health system versus the financial system? Because it seems like that has something to do with it also. No, this is a case of government around the world doing a coordinated effort to steal our rights, steal our freedoms, and put us in a perpetual situation of servitude. If we do nothing, they're going to keep us locked down all the way until July. If you notice, in September, CERB ended. What did they do? They created three new programs, CRB, CRSB, and CRCB. Why did they do that? Because they know they're about to lock us down again. They know they're about to close a shit ton more businesses. And they know they're going to create a whole bunch more unemployed people that they want to put on CERB. Why? Because when they have you on government pay, they own you. And they've extended this all the way to July next year. So what does that tell you? They're going to keep us locked down till July like they did last year. Then they're going to start opening us up slowly. But by the time September comes around and we're not fully open, they're going to lock us down again. If people haven't realized that they're, they're trying to do a perpetual state where you never get off lockdown, you never get to take off your mask, you never get to travel freely. This is what they're trying to set up. If you haven't noticed, they extended the mask wearing. It was supposed to be for a month. Now they extended it all the way to next year. If you think they're going to let you take it off, you're wrong. If you think they're going to give you your freedoms back after you've given them up, you're wrong. If you think your government has your best interest at heart, you're wrong. If you think this is about safety, you're wrong. This is about control, plain and simple. The weaker you are, the poorer you are, the less power you have, the more they can control you. And that's what this is all about. Nothing more. And dividing nothing more, people. nothing less. Nothing more, nothing less. I know you have a rally coming up this week, and tell them where the rally is happening and where they could check you out on social media right before I get you out of here. No problem. The rally is October 17th at Dundas Square at 12 p.m. To find me on social media, I'm Chris Sky, S K Y, on Facebook. Uh, and I'm at meet, M E E T dot the dot S K Y S on Instagram, at meet the skies. Our groups are Mad Mothers Against Distancing on Facebook and Back to Work on Facebook. And for the Santa Claus Parade, we have a group called the Mad Line Santa Claus Parade. And the Santa Claus Parade is going to be happening December 5th at Nathan Phillips Square in downtown Toronto. And it's going to be probably the biggest event of the entire year. And it's going to be the happiest event of the entire year. All right, Chris, thank you so very much. Last question before I get you out of here. You now, as a business owner right now, how is your business doing right now throughout the whole pandemic situation? I'll tell you. I have a building and development business. The development side is considered non-essential. So any project I have that isn't already under construction, when there's a lockdown, they shut me down. Mm -hmm. And the biggest expense a developer builder has would be our monthly interest payment. So if you get a shutdown for a few months, it's like a big deal. It's not like we're paying rent. We're paying interest payments on these giant land deals. So it makes a big difference when you get shut down. For everything that I already had under construction in the actual construction side of things, they allow they call it essential and they allow it to keep going so i'm basically get half shut down and half open whenever they do one of these lockdowns but it's not about me it's about everybody else and everybody else is getting affected by this and everybody's getting affected by it in a negative way and they're not going to stop it until people realize what's going on they want it, it's literally a battle of good and evil and evil is the absence of love 
everything they're doing is trying to push people apart. Social distance, wear a mask, don't talk to people, don't see your friends, don't see your family. They're literally trying to take the love and togetherness out of society. Why? Because that's what keeps you isolated and that's what keeps you easy to control and easy to subjugate. As soon as people start coming together, as soon as people start spreading love, light, truth, we start coming together, our voices become united, and we start making a difference. And that's what they want to stop more than anything. They want to stop white people and black people from coming together. They want to stop the civilians from working with the police. Everything they're doing is a ploy. I got to tell you this too. Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Do not be fooled by these things. Black Lives Matter is not about black people. It is a government-run intelligence operation that is funded by government, and it pushes government agendas. Black Lives Matter. Government intelligence operation, not about racism, not about black people. It's about fomenting division. Do you think Trudeau would march with a random group of black people and take selfies and bend the knee and scream defund our police? No, he does it because Black Lives Matter is controlled opposition. There are great black groups out there like Remember the 400, real nonprofit grassroots organizations, the Afro-Caribbean Society, etc. These groups are great. The BLM people are being manipulated. At the street level, there's great people in the organization. I understand that people are trying to follow it because they think it's a good thing. But at the high levels, BLM and Antifa, the organizers, the creators, the people in charge are government agents. And they're there for one reason, to cause division. Look at the United States, all the riots, looting, etc. This is all caused. It's all planned. And all these people are paid to go from other cities to go to these cities to riot. Do not be fooled by BLM. Do not be fooled by Antifa. They are Could not we? real. These are not real grassroots organizations. They are government funded, government controlled, and they are psyops that are made to make people fight with each other. We Can we agree on one thing then? Can we agree on one thing here then before I get you out of here? That from my point of view, there seems to be two Black Life Matters. There's the organization corporation, and then, there's, right. the, and then there's the movement. That's I think right. what, what you're talking about might be the corporation organization. 100%. Movement now. That's movement some absolutely incredible people, incredible street people, incredible leaders. The movement is amazing and I love it. I'm just saying that at the highest levels, they created that movement. Even though the people have the move, even though the people in the movement have the best intentions and they have their hearts and heads in the right places. The people at the high levels of the organization created that organization for one purpose, to cause division. Mm -hmm. So people need to realize that. It didn't work here in Canada. They tried, you know, they tried to get riots going, et cetera, et cetera. Said the black bloc is coming from Quebec to cause shit. They even boarded up all our, our, all our uh, stores and stuff in downtown Toronto. But because we're such a diverse country, because race does not really matter, especially in Canada, none of that happened. So I'm happy. I'm very proud of Canadians because we saw that, we called it out, and we were immune to it. But the masses need to know that Black Lives Matter is a corporate thing. There's a reason why if they march, nobody says anything about social distancing or masks. There's a reason why they get mainstream media coverage, why they have helicopters following them, why Justin Trudeau will kneel with them. Christopher Sakucha, listen, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so very much for joining us. But again... We're going to do some research, I guess, as people and really look into something because you're going to see mainstream media, but you have to do your research also. So, Chris, it's been a great conversation. Let me give you an outro and get you out of here. Well, 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.